welcome to Baptist Perspective with Jimmy Barber. Whether you're listening while driving home from work, sitting with a hot cup of coffee, or making dinner, we hope this podcast will be thought-provoking and edifying. Now, here with today's episode is Jimmy Barber. In the previous podcast, we devoted some time to the objections and directions of the religious right instead of continuing our studies of the scriptural references of the confessions. It is our desire to take up again the references of the confessions to see if they in any way affirm that Caesar or civil government and the house of God are to be joined together in any way. So far we have found the opposite regarding the passages previously studied. In fact, we have reviewed the strongest of the verses as found in the Holy Scriptures. Many of the remaining passages are from the Old Testament and are in reference to the theocratic kingdom of Israel where the worship of God and civil government were interwoven and connected together under the moral, civil, and ceremonial laws given to them by God through Moses. While civil governments are ordained by the Lord, and clearly Christ instituted the congregational worship while here on earth, he plainly said, as mentioned in previous podcasts, that his kingdom is not of this world, John 18.36, and there are many things which belong to Caesar, or civil government, and other things that belong to God, Matthew twenty two, twenty one. Furthermore, since the New Testament assembly was established under the New Covenant, we ought to derive the rules and functions of it from the New Testament and only use scriptural references from the Old Testament to support principles clearly expressed in the New Therefore, we will not expand this study to exegete all of the many Old Testament passages supplied by the Protestant confessions to support their idea of civil government being a, quote, nursing father, end of quote, to the congregation of God. However, we will look at some of these to see the intent and objective that Protestants believe civil government should exercise its power not only in society, but also in the house of God. The first sentence of Article 3 of the Westminster Confession reads as follows, The civil magistrate may not assume to himself the administration of the word and sacraments or the power of the keys of the kingdom of heaven, yet he hath authority and it is his duty to take order that unity and peace be preserved in the church, that the truth of God be kept pure and entire, that all blasphemies and heresies be suppressed, all corruptions and abuses in worship and discipline prevented or reformed, and all the ordinances of God duly settled, administered, and observed. Several passages are referenced for this sentence, and many are from the New Testament as well as the Old Testament regarding the discipline of the congregation. 
Many of these do not include civil government and simply affirm that the congregation is to discipline its erring ministers. One passage, however, to which I draw your attention is Isaiah 49.23. It is, And kings shall be thy nursing fathers, and their queens thy nursing mothers. They shall bow down to thee with their face toward the earth, and lick up the dust of thy feet, and thou shalt know that I am the Lord, for they shall not be ashamed that wait for me. End of quote. It appears from the context that this passage is referring to the latter days of the kingdom of God, whereby the Gentiles will be included in the covenant promises of Israel, and that it is inclusive of the day when all flesh shall know that the Lord is the Redeemer. This reminds us of Philippians 2.10, when all men shall bow and confess that our Savior is Lord of all. However, nothing is said regarding kings or civil government ruling in the congregation of the Lord. Also, we must remember that the Protestant view of the Church of God is defined as being Catholic or universal, which is invisible, and, quote, consists of the whole number of the elect, end of quote. Westminster Confession, chapter 25, article 1. Furthermore, the form of Presbyterian church government of this confession continually affirms that, quote, many congregations were one church and that they were under one presbyterial government, end of quote. Therefore, there is a universal, invisible church, and within this umbrella is a, quote, church or presbyterial government consisting of, quote, many congregations. End of quote. Sadly, this is the general consensus of much of so-called evangelical Christianity, or the second view, which is the dispensational concept that the universal church is composed of all believers from Pentecost until the return of Jesus. Whereas a study of the historical use and the common meaning of the Greek word ekklesia is a congregation or assembly. This was covered in previous podcasts, and therefore we will not take the time here to verify it again. Since the Protestant view has so influenced modern so-called evangelical Christianity, so much that the English word church is often used to signify the people of God or New Testament believers. Commentators will supply the word church into their interpretation of passages like Isaiah 49.23. This is confusing because often when we read or when reading commentators or historians, 
they will use the word church to refer to the people of God or to organize religion and or to a denomination and or to an individual congregation within the same paragraph or to Christianity in general. Therefore, it is difficult to know what the author actually means by the use of the word. Equally, too often the kingdom of God and the church are set forth as being identical or the same thing when in reality they are two separate things. For time's sake, I will simply say that I believe the congregation of the Lord is included in the kingdom of heaven, but the kingdom of heaven extends far beyond that of the house of God. Nevertheless, this too is another subject that time will not permit us to enlarge on at this point in our study of civil government and its role in the assembly of the saints. It is to be noted also that the Protestant confessions proclaim that the civil magistrate has the authority, has the, quote, authority, and it is his duty to take order that unity and peace be preserved in the church, that the truth of God be kept pure and entire, that all blasphemies and heresies be suppressed, all corruptions and abuses in worship and discipline prevented or reformed, and all the ordinances of God duly settled, administered, and observed, end of quote. Nowhere in the New Testament does Caesar, or Rome, or the elders, or Jewish leaders of Israel, or any other form of civil government take part in any congregation regarding how the Christians were to worship. In fact, when the Jews in Corinth took Paul to the judgment seat of Rome under the deputy Gallio, he drove them away because it was not, quote, reason or logical that he should consider, quote, a question of words and names, end of quote, of Jewish law or religion. Uh, reference Acts 18, verses 12 through 17. Besides, what may be heresy to a Baptist may not be to a Protestant, or vice versa. The same may be said concerning, quote, abuses in worship, congregational discipline, blasphemies, or the ordinance of, of God. The civil government is never authorized to such practices in the New Testament. Likewise, there was not any denominational hierarchy within the New Testament that dictated to any congregation or a group of congregations as to how to perform religious worship or set orthodox standards for any congregation. The congregation of God is the only ecclesiastical authority in the New Testament outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. In connection with this, the Westminster Confession refer referenced Deuteronomy 13 verses 5 through 6. To better understand these two verses, it would be better to consider them in the context of verses 1 through 11. The passage plainly declared that a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, even if it included a family member, 
sought to lead the Israelites away from worshiping and serving the Lord as affirmed by the scriptures he was to be stoned to death. This punishment was to be administered by not only the one or ones who brought the charge, but by all the people. Deuteronomy 13.9 It was not a punishment inflicted by the rulers or judges at the gate nor by the Levites or priests of God. It was by the people of the congregation. As for false prophets or teachers or ministers, in the assembly of the saints today, we are instructed to mark them and avoid them. Romans 16, verses 17 and 18. Withdraw from them and have no company with them. Second Thessalonians 3, verses 6 and 14, or other such like actions. We are never told by God in His Word to call for civil government to come in and rule over the congregation of the Lord or administer judgment on any of its members or officers. As we pointed out in a previous podcast, Paul rebuked the congregation at Corinth for going to the civil government to settle differences between the members instead of the congregation judging and settling the matter among their own selves. 1 Corinthians 6, 1-8 Another scriptural reference not previously considered is Titus 3, 1 as listed by the 2001 Confession of Faith for the Cumberland Presbyterians. It says, quote, Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. End of quote. This verse in no way suggests that civil government is to be involved within the congregation of God. In fact, this is teaching no more than what we found in previous podcast concerning Romans 13 and civil government. At this time, we will close our lesson for today. May the Lord bless and keep you by His grace and power. Thank you for listening to today's edition of Baptist Perspective. We archive our episodes so you can go back anytime and listen again. Do you have a question about something you've heard or just want to let us know you're listening? Visit us at baptistperspective.wordpress.com. That's baptistperspective.wordpress.com. Thanks again for listening.